Welcome all you weirdos, Krakoans, and emeritus members of the Yancey Street Gang. Prepare to receive your landmark 50th Weird Dose of X. Wow, 50. As always, we are the mutant member of your Weird Science family. I am Jason, and I am once again recording here alone in the state-of-the-art wrong-turn studio high atop stately Weird Science Tower. Now, Ruben fans, please do not panic. He will be back with me next week to discuss the near plethora of titles that will be out then. But this week continues what I'm calling a pre-Fall of X lull. The only current day X title that came out this week was the penultimate issue in the Betsy Britain saga, and ain't nobody got time for that. I stopped reading that book back when it was still called Excalibur. But I did not want to leave all you fine people without an X-Men podcast, and so I looked around and I noticed that a certain cosmically irradiated rock monster had recently visited our favorite island. The issue isn't super new, but it is new enough. And so the one book we will talk about today is Clobberin' Time Number 2, which has a street date of April 26, 2023. Story and art by Steve Scross, colors by Brian Valenza, letters by Joe Sabino. So, first... What is this clobbering time book anyway? It doesn't have the usual ex-office trade dress, it's not edited by the usual ex-office editors, and it's not designed by either Tom Muller or Jay Bowen. If you happen to be a mutant exclusive comic reader, you might not even have heard of it. It doesn't even seem to be taking place in the standard Marvel continuity exactly. It does reference things that have happened more or less recently in that continuity, but I don't expect the Fantastic Four title or any of the X titles to ever reference anything that happens here. Clobberin' Time is a five-issue miniseries featuring, of course, everyone's favorite member of the Fantastic Four, Benjamin Grimm, a.k.a. the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. As noted above, it is... <coughs> As noted above, this book is both written and drawn by comic artist Steve Scrose. That's spelled S-K-R-O-C-E. I've heard this gentleman's name pronounced all sorts of ways, and at first I was pronouncing it Scroci, like to rhyme with Jim Croce, but then I found a YouTube video where the man himself says Scrose, so I feel comfortable sticking with that. Steve Scrose has been a comic artist going back to the early 90s when he did some work for Marvel drawing titles like X-Men, also Cable, Gambit, and Amazing Spider-Man. He also drew a title called Ecto-Kid for Marvel's short-lived Razorline imprint which was set in a universe created by horror author Clive Barker. I haven't read that, and I don't even know if it's in the uh, Unlimited app, but it sounds pretty neat, so maybe I'll check out Ecto-Kid. Is it connected with Ecto-Cooler? Probably not, but maybe worth a read. Outside of comics, Scrooge has created storyboards for the Matrix movies, which is also pretty neat. Now, Steve Scrooge has a distinct style. Looking back at his older stuff, it seems like he has also the ability to draw more conventionally, something like a, a Marvel house style, but for this series that, you know, it's all his, he's writing it, he's drawing it, he's working in his own very stylized style, if that makes sense. So before you go and buy this book, take a peek at the cover, also drawn by Scross. The cover and the pages within the book are drawn in what I'd call an almost underground comic style, that's comics with an X. Reminds me a little bit of Robert Crumb, but with uh, more body horror and, and less like vulgarity, if that means anything to you. This is a style that's very detailed with a lot of bumps and knobs and not trying to make any character look beautiful. Works great for a character like The Thing, but probably wouldn't be my first choice for someone more glamorous. You wouldn't want 
Jean Grey or the Invisible Woman to be drawn this way in their own titles. Wouldn't work. But now, Scrooge has one of those styles that makes me want to say something like, you know, I wouldn't want every Marvel book to look like this, but it's pretty good as a change now and then. So that's the writer slash artist. What about the plot? This book is really just an excuse to have Ben Grimm do team-ups with different Marvel heavyweights each issue, much like the old two-in-one title. The first issue featured the Hulk, the second one has Wolverine, and the future issues look like they'll feature Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom. There is an overall plot line featuring a mysterious time and space hopping villain who has been stealing bits and bobs from here and there, and who seems to keep running into our boy Benji. But each issue also stands pretty decently on its own, at least so far. So if all you care about is the presence of Wolverine or this setting of Krakoa, you don't really need to read any of the other issues. Oh, and to give these books a, a little more gravitas, they are narrated by a newly created Watcher character named Tuva 2, a.k.a. the Banished One. Tuva 2 likes to make these grand, profound Watcher-type speeches and then end by deflating himself with a phrase like, as far as I know, or and stuff like that. It's pretty funny and sets the tone of the book, which, while not nearly as silly schmilly as the most recent X-Force issue, also isn't dead serious. Now, this issue opens with Tuva 2 floating over a wide shot of Krakoa. But this Krakoa doesn't look quite like the one we've come to know. This one is more Jetsons crossed with Epcot. Less organic than the one we've seen. We head inside a lecture hall. Did you know that Krakoa has lecture halls and, and not just bars and brothels? Well, in this lecture hall, Ben is being interviewed on stage in front of a live studio audience. It, it looks like uh, inside the actor's studio, if anyone's old enough to remember that old show. Ben here is wearing a suit, which is a look I always love to see. A big orange guy in a, a silly little suit. He feels some oddly hostile questions from a few of the younger mutant crowd who question his bona fides as a member of the oppressed class. Like the cranky boomer he is, look it up, he was born in 1961, he quickly gets tired of taking crap from these Gen Z whippersnappers and is about to tell them what's what when a ding-ding sound goes off in his ear and suddenly... He becomes suave and charming again, spouting several paragraphs of sweet yet meaningless verbiage that wins over the crowd. We'll learn later that this is Reed's doing. He knew that Ben has a bit of a short fuse, so he invented an earpiece that monitors the situation and feeds Ben, quote, diplomatic platitudinous responses amid tense public situations. Now that seems amazingly useful and probably not all that far beyond the current capabilities of something like chat GPT. Now after the interview, Ben sits down for a drink with his old pal Logan. The editor helpfully footnotes a time when Logan sliced his pal Ben's face off and Ben tells Wolverine about this time travel who's been giving him trouble. Speak of the devil, just at that moment, portals open up and robots with laser rifle arms start attacking. On uh, Krakoa, I think they just call that Tuesday. Now, this is just a diversion, one calculated to draw mutant defenses away from the time traveler's true target, the brewery that had created Ben and Logan's potent cocktail. It seems that a beverage strong enough to get a rock monster and a guy with a healing factor pleasantly inebriated is also strong enough to, quote, lubricate temporal vector foil. I'm not exactly sure, but I think that means it can be both a dessert topping and a floor wax. Naturally, Ben clocks that they've been diverted, and so he and Logan circle back to confront the time traveler and have the issue's major throwdown. In the heat of that battle, Logan gets to be the one to yell out, It's clobberin' time, which, come on, that's just fun. Who wouldn't want to yell out, It's clobberin' time? If, if anyone out there has not, as a kid, occasionally yelled out, It's clobberin' time, I don't know if you and I can be friends. But 
Moving on. Uh, the two pals defeat the baddie, but of course that wasn't even his final form. The now even bigger, badder baddie breathes fire that destroys most of Logan's body below his sternum, save for his boots and his nigh-invulnerable adamantium skeleton. Looks pretty gross. Looks pretty painful. Looks pretty cool, actually, if you're into that kind of art. Ben and the Traveler then beat each other to a mutual pulp, and the Traveler reverts to a humanoid form, revealing tattoos referencing many a Marvel hero. Stuff like an Avengers A logo, Hulk fists, a cosmic cube, and even the words, with great power comes great responsibility. This guy is some kind of a Marvel fanboy. Now the Traveler's assistants rescue him and take him and his Krakoan prize back to their home dimension. Ben manages to get partway through the portal to the Traveler's base so that he and we get a peek at some giant technological gizmo that the Traveler is creating. But before Ben can do anything about it, the Traveler's robotic assistant, Lyle, zaps Ben back to Krakoa, where he just has to now assist with the cleanup. Ben did manage to grab the Traveler's severed hand, though, which bears a magic ring that he'll get checked out next issue by Doctor Strange. Okay, now that was a fun time. I will not claim to have read comics for most of my life, but I will say that I have always, always been a fan of the thing. Every kid loves the thing. He's huge and powerful, but also gentle and caring and basically just a normal dude. A guy who, you know, got hit by some cosmic rays and now gets to hang out with big brains like Reed Richards, but knows not to take any of those big brains too seriously. Steve Scrooge writes and draws a really good thing. Probably the best Ben Grimm since the uh, beloved Marvel 2-in-1 by Chip Zdarsky ended in late 2018. This book is, is not an all-time classic. The villain seems so far to be kind of generic, maybe a, a grade school version of Kang the Conqueror, but I am intrigued by the guy's obvious Marvel fandom, so maybe he has some potential that'll show up in the next three issues. Now let's stop and, and talk about Krakoa, at least this book's version of Krakoa. Uh, like I said, this book feels like it's not quite in the main continuity, which is fine, but it does feel noteworthy that when Steve Scrooge decides to bring Wolverine into his Ben Grimm book, he brings in a version of Wolverine, <clears throat> but it is noteworthy that when Steve Scrooge decides to bring Wolverine into his Ben Grimm book, he brings in a version of Wolverine that's deeply tied into the Krakoan status quo. This is a story that could very easily, with just a couple changes, have been set in the pre krakoan era, you know, in upstate New York, or even in a place like Madripoor where Logan's hung out so much. Whatever the setting is just needs to have an excuse to make Ben Grimm show up and, and hang with Logan, and for there to be some kind of MacGuffin for the time traveler to want to steal. And that's easily achieved anywhere. But Scross and his editors chose to do this on Krakoa, which makes me think that this status quo might have a little more staying power than one would otherwise guess. Really, though, this book is going to live and die by its art. That's why it exists. If Steve Scrooge's art tickles your fancy, you're, you're going to have a good time. If not, there's probably not too much here for you. So yeah, take a look at those covers, and if the pictures make you smile, go ahead and pick up Clobberin' Time number two. If not, that's fine. You'll have plenty others. <clears throat> if not, that's fine. You'll have plenty other books to read before Ruben and I reconvene next week. Before we talk next week, I have some recommended listening for you. Yes, I'm going to go with listening this time. I, I did uh, watching last time, listening this week, why not? And what I recommend is a track off of Norm MacDonald's 2006 comedy album, Ridiculous. This track is simply called The Fantastic Four. Uh, it's Norm MacDonald, who is the funniest guy ever retelling the origin of the Fantastic Four 
and how Reed gave them all their names and took Mr. Fantastic for his own. Really good stuff. It's on YouTube, so just go there and search Norm MacDonald Fantastic Four and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. Now, next week, we have a bumper crop of books. So many that I'm not sure if we'll be able to fit them all in one podcast. Now, probably the biggest book of next week will be the second of those Before the Fall one-shots. This one written by Steve Orlando and called Mutant First Strike. I suspect the plot will have to do with another of those false flag operations that Orcus has been carrying out to make Krakoa look bad in the eyes of the rest of the world. That book we'll definitely be covering. Other books that may get some time include... X-Men number 23, which has a big old Iron Man-looking Sentinel on the cover, Immortal X-Men number 12, which should be getting deeper into the whole Quiet Council Colossus situation, Bishop War College number 5, the final issue of that series, which comes out only two weeks after its penultimate issue, and Invincible Iron Man number 7, which may or may not continue to be relevant now that we have Iron Man Sentinels in X-Men itself. We'll see. But that's next week's problems. Until then... Hey, why not read some more X-Men comics? The origin of the Fantastic Four. Our heroes, flying in an experimental rocket ship, are assaulted by cosmic rays. Upon landing, they discover they have fantastic superpowers. Now, let's listen in and discover how Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm became the Fantastic Four. Okay, I was up all last night. And I think I've come up with a great name for the group. Since we all have such fantastic powers, I think we should be called the Fantastic Four. Ooh, Fantastic Four. All right. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah, and I have come up with uh, individual names as well, if I may. Ben Grimm, Mm -hmm. you are a rock-like thing of a man. You will be called The Thing. Great. Sue Storm, you're a woman who has the power to make herself invisible. The Invisible Woman is your name from now on. Good. Johnny Storm, Mm -hmm. you are human, and yet you are a torch. Yeah. The human torch. The human torch. Okay. And I, Reed Richards, can stretch my body like a rubber band. I will be Mr. Fantastic. Okay, let's get on to business. First order of business for the Fantastic Four. Uh, Dr. Doom has the entire world's plutonium supply. Excuse me for a second. Yes, Ben. Um... Oh, never mind, never mind. What is it, Ben? It's nothing, it's nothing, nothing. Ben, we have to speak openly here. Well, it's just about the names. How do you like yours, The Thing? No, I'm, I'm fine with that, it just <laughs> seems a little... Well, I'm kind of a thing of a man, you're calling me The Thing. Uh-huh. Sue is a woman who can become invisible. She's the invisible woman. Makes sense. Johnny is human, yet a torch. So he's the human torch, right? Sure. And you can stretch your arms like a rubber band. Uh-huh. And you've named yourself Mr. Fantastic. Yes, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just Uh-oh. seems a little, little odd, you know. Yeah. I don't understand the problem. <laughs> I mean, we're all named after our powers. Right. But your power is to stretch like a rubber band. Right, that's why I come up with the idea, Mr. Fantastic. It's a fantastic ability I have. Right, no one, no one's saying it's not fantastic. I mean, many people, when they see me stretch, they often use that word, fantastic. I think what Ben's trying to say, Ben, right, is that um, we all have fantastic powers, but we're called what we do. Right. 
Yours is stretching. Maybe Mr. Stretch Guy. Stre- oh, I was thinking well, Stretch. But the, that's my name. Right, El okay. Stretcho. El Stretcho. No, 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 not El Stretcho. No, it's Mr. Fantastic is my name, okay? Now, if you guys have problems with your names, we can talk about it. My name is Mr. Fantastic. Let's talk about Dr. Doom. It's okay? just not fair. It's not, what? <sighs> you, okay. Ben, could, right? Could M- you fantastic explain? is a, an adjective that describes what I do. Well, why aren't we adjectives? You are. You're the Fantastic Four. You like that name, don't you? But individually. Yeah. Do you like that name? Yes. We okay. We ben, like could you so you like it when you're the Fantastic Four, but you don't like that I'm called Mr. Fantastic. No. Now, read. Just, just, just hear me out. We're the Fantastic Four. Right. You're Mr. Fantastic. Right. The Fantastic Four comprises the Thing, the Invisible Girl, the Human Torch, and Mr. Fantastic. Right. Doesn't that seem a little odd to you? What is odd about that? Just because my name is Mr. Fantastic and the group's called the Fantastic Four. That's your problem. Because well, in a nutshell, yes. Yeah, I think that's... It's a coincidence. A coincidence you created. There's only so many names. Look. <sighs> The, the, the group's been named, okay? Why can't you be called like we are what you do, what your power is? Okay, I think we're saying the same thing. I think we're saying the same thing. Okay, what are we saying? We're saying that we're fine with being, being called Mr. Fantastic. I mean, in different words, right? No, no, read, look. What we're saying is you should be called Mr. Stretchy Arm. Listen, I, the, na- oh, come the, on. the point don't... is the group has been named, okay? And that's, that's it. It's in the news. Right. It's in today's newspaper, as a matter of fact. <laughs> what do you mean it's in the newspaper? Take a look. The Fantastic Four, headed by Mister Fantastic, will fight Doctor Doom today at three. There you go. Byline by Reed Richards, aka Mister Fantastic. What? Different guy. That's a different guy. Uh, I don't know who that is, and I don't know how the press get their sources. Whatever. Look, you don't want me to be called Mr. Fantastic? Okay, I won't be called Mr. Fantastic, okay? You can call me Mr. Assface. Come That's on, no, don't. No, I'm changing my name. I'm ch- I'll phone the editor of the uh, uh, you know, the Times tomorrow, and I'll say, hey, I'm changing it to Mr. Assface. Uh, you know, reprint all the newspapers, okay? No, we don't want this. Don't. Come on, Reed. It'll be Mr. Assface and the Fantastic Three. If it's that and important the press will you... have a field day with that. Oh, all right, Reed. if it's that important, you, you're Mr. Fantastic. Just be him. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. But so you, I'm Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Yes, you're All Mr. Right. Fantastic. I'm Mr. Fantastic. Good. Good. What should we do now, Mr. Fantastic? You don't say it like that. You do not say it like that. All right, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Okay. Okay. <laughs>